Hi, I'm Rico Tice, a pastor of a church called All Souls in London. Most of us wonder, is there something more to life? The Finding More podcast tells the stories of 11 people who asked that question and found the answer. In this episode, we spoke to Larry, with driven parents who were first-generation immigrants from Mauritius. Growing up, Larry had to study hard and perform well in school. Despite being taken to church weekly, he didn't have much interest in going to church while he was young. That was until his third year of university, when something made him change his mind, and he was shown the evidence. Is there something more to life? It's time to find out. Larry is an actuary. He describes it as being a super accountant, like an accountant, but with even more maths. Today, he's working from home. Home, for Larry, has that sense of relaxed chaos, which comes with having three children aged four to ten. They're at school this morning, but there's plenty of evidence of them in the busy kitchen diner. Larry makes coffee while clearing a space at the end of the dining table, stacking up superhero comics, notebooks and bank statements at one end of it. There's a fish tank in the corner that's probably due its next clean, and near it, a table football table, one of Larry's prized possessions. It turns out that not all the toys are for the kids. My wife bought it for me for my birthday a few years back. I think she's regretted it ever since. It takes up far too much space, but I love it. It's so much fun. If Larry's down-to-earth kitchen isn't what you might expect of a super accountant, his background conforms a little more to type. His parents were very driven and put a big emphasis on studying hard and performing well at school. They wanted to see Larry and his sister grow up to be successful. They were first-generation immigrants who emigrated from Mauritius, a little island off the east coast of Africa. Larry admits that despite his parents' best efforts, he was a somewhat lazy student but you get the impression that he was a clever one too. His family were Catholics, so Larry went to Mass regularly as a child and even served as an altar boy for a time. But what didn't make sense to him about religion when he was growing up was the Maths. Going to confession sticks in his mind as a slightly scary experience. You needed to think of a sin to confess to the priest. Bad enough to show the priest that you had taken it seriously but not so bad that you didn't mind telling it to this man on the other side of a screen in a little box. After you had confessed your sin, the priest would set you penance, a set number of prayers you had to say to make up for your wrongdoing. And this was where the maths was a problem. Sometimes you would confess a big sin and get away with only having to say one prayer as penance. Other times you would confess to something small, like breaking a couple of promises, and you'd get stung with five. It seemed random. The numbers didn't add up. By the time Larry went to university, to study economics, naturally, he'd given up on church completely. But when, in his final year, he discovered that a girl he liked went to church, he saw it as his opportunity to impress. I remember thinking, church? I can do church. So I started going along. What he found, though, was something very different to the type of church he'd been used to as a kid. The biggest difference was in the preaching. Much to his surprise, he actually enjoyed it. The guy at the front was talking about the Bible, and somehow it just seemed really practical and relevant to real life. At the church I grew up going to, you went along just hoping the sermon wasn't going to go on too long. 
but at this church, the preacher spoke like it was true, and it really mattered. Something about it had Larry hooked. So he went along, on and off, even when things with the girl fizzled out. And when he moved City at the end of university, he found a new church to go to. I realised that the stakes were pretty high. If Christianity was true, it mattered. So I couldn't just walk away. I kept coming back. But at the same time, he didn't want to get too sucked into all that Christian stuff. Larry remembers being curious, but uncomfortable. He tended to make a quick exit at the end of the last hymn and avoided speaking to anyone. During the week, he worked hard. At the weekend, he played hard. Other than his peculiar church-going habit, Larry's life looked much like any other young city professional's. Larry tells me about a colleague at work with whom he's recently been having conversations about Christianity. Like many people, she wants the evidence. Larry sympathises. I wanted the evidence too. But the thing you've got to ask yourself is, what kind of evidence will be enough? What is the evidence that you're looking for? I get that the miracles in the Bible sound outrageous. The story with Jesus multiplying a few loaves of bread and fish to feed a whole crowd, for example but I can't dismiss that just because I've not seen it happen in my lifetime. That's not evidence that it can't happen. If God created the world, then why not? So what evidence turned out to be enough for Larry? It comes down to two things, he explains. The first is the physical evidence, the Bible. I had dismissed it as a collection of stories for children, or a fake cooked up by some nutters trying to start their own religion but that can't really be true. The Four Gospels, for example, are short biographies about the life, death, and, most controversially, alleged resurrection of Jesus. These were written using eyewitness testimony within living memory of Jesus' time on earth in the first century. As with any ancient document, none of the originals survive today. What we have is copies of the originals, or more rightly, copies of copies of copies and so on. What marks the Gospels out from other documents from ancient history, like the writings of Julius Caesar or Homer, is the number of copies available. This means that they can be compared for accuracy. The key events of Jesus' life are attested to in the writings of various ancient historians who weren't Christians. Jesus was a real historical figure who lived in Israel in the first century. That much isn't up for debate but it was what happened to the first generation of Christians that convinced me. They claimed to have seen Jesus be killed and then come back to life again. He points out that many of them were put to death for saying that. Sure, but lots of people die for what they believe in, right? Today you hear of suicide bombers who have been brainwashed in the name of religion. Larry shakes his head. This was different. It's one thing to willingly die because you've been promised some kind of reward but those Christians were being killed for stating they'd seen Jesus alive. It wasn't something they believed, but something they'd seen. Why would they die for something they knew to be a lie? After going to church for a couple of years, Larry eventually decided to take the plunge and go on a course that the church was running, called Christianity Explored. It was designed for people who wanted to investigate Christianity for themselves. He says he doesn't remember much about the first few weeks in that crowded room in the church's basement, other than the fact that he enjoyed them. But as the course went on, Larry says, he realised that what Jesus said about what people are like, and what people need, rang true. 
Jesus talked about sin, not as things people do, but as an attitude they have deep inside, an attitude that Larry recognised in his own heart for the first time. That was the second piece of evidence, that the Bible matches up with the reality of life. I realised I needed a relationship with God. Instead of trying to think up trivial sins to confess to the priest, I needed to genuinely ask Jesus to forgive me. So did life change after that? Oh, probably not enough, he admits, wiping his glasses on the edge of his t-shirt. Change did come, but very gradually. That's the thing about faith, apparently. You don't necessarily have a fizz-bang moment and become a Christian. More often, you just slowly find that, yes, the evidence stacks up. Yes, what Jesus says about you is true. And yes, you want the kind of friendship with God that the Bible talks about. Aside from the table football, Larry's other favourite item in the room is the big range cooker in the kitchen. I love eating, and so I love cooking, he smiles. One of his projects at the moment is trying to perfect his mother's recipes and record them before her memory goes. She was diagnosed with dementia a few years ago. At the moment, the family are trying to support her in being as independent as she can be for as long as she can be. At the back of the garden, past the swing set and the barbecue that are ready and waiting for summer, is a little bungalow, ready and waiting for her to move into when the time comes. We're very lucky to have been able to buy it, Larry says. It came onto the market three weeks after my dad died. We were all worried about mum being left on her own, and he left us a bit of money, so that's what we spent it on. When, a little earlier in the interview, Larry is asked what significant moments he's had in the years since he became a Christian, it's his father's death that he chooses. It was quite sudden. He had a stroke caused by a brain haemorrhage, For most of his life, if you'd have asked my dad what was most important to him, he would have said it was to have his family around him, on his deathbed, knowing that they were well provided for. And there we were, gathered round him, while he lay there unconscious in a hospital bed. My sister and I both had successful jobs like dad wanted. But it struck me that even though he had all the things he would have said were most important to him, none of it really mattered. He was dying. The only thing that actually mattered then was whether God exists and whether Dad had a relationship with him that would see him through the other side of death. My experience of watching Dad die made me realise how important the issue of looking into God is, Larry reflects now. So many of my friends aren't opposed to Christianity or religion per se. They just choose not to engage with it in any shape or form. But what I want to say is, Please don't go through life not looking into the evidence. You'd never pitch up at an important job interview without preparing for it. You'd prepare by reading about the company, the job you're going for, and the background of the people who are going to be interviewing you. So why would you treat your own death less seriously than a job interview? Larry says that facing up to the inevitability of death in the future makes a huge difference to life in the present too. Life is full of stresses and things that go wrong. And if this is all there is, then that's a real problem. But Jesus promises that his people will have life on the other side of death. That's fantastic. And it's not just for the future. 
a relationship with God helps you to enjoy life now more too. Even more than super accountancy, it seems. And even more than table football. To find out more about Christianity Explored, visit christianityexplored.org and to purchase the book Finding More, visit thegoodbook.co.uk forward slash finding more.